Hepsi, um, in, in its explorations of learning game, uh, has three phases. The first phase was a literature review which was completed and by consultants called RAND consultants. And uh, the second phase was a series of about 10 projects? Oh, 13 projects. 13 projects of which we were part of a bid with the Open University and Surrey University. Uh, Open University are the lead players and Surrey and Oxford Books to some extent are big players, but we're all in a team together. <laughs> but we, we certainly have less money, but, uh, <laughs> which is important. Um, so um, this is just the, 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 the definition that Hepsi is sort of using uh, for learning gain. Uh, and I'll just put Y, so the, so the Y you know, wants to work out value of being in higher education and also that notion of understanding what's effective and what's not effective in terms of uh, higher education practices uh, and there's a strong notion that uh, we want or they want learning gain to be in the TEF uh, but if, if it's possible to do that um, so I, I guess it's important to say in, in those questions about um, theorising and starting to think about how we measure it having the notion of what, a univers what university education is for is quite important in terms of trying to then understand and ask sensible questions about whether or not we've achieved it uh, and I think we always have to bear in mind that, uh, of course, governmental ambitions as to what university is for may differ from ours. May, may differ from ours. Um, so some, sometimes, I, th I think the TEF may force that conversation. Um, of course, one, one of the other things about looking into learning gain is uh, concerns about grade inflation, uh, which uh, possibly most people are aware about, that there's been quite a lot of an explosion of firsts and two ones. I've been working in education development for a while and I'd say, well, that's a good thing. That's what we've all been striving for and all this effort into improving the student experience. It jolly well ought to be in getting more first and two ones and things like that because that's what we, we've been about for a very long time. So no surprise, I think, about grade inflation. Jolly good thing. Um, or increasing grades. I don't know whether grade inflation is the right word. Uh, and then also, as Alex neatly referred to, uh, also concern really about what university is for. This goes back to that fundamental question, academically adrift, what's it for? Uh, and there's evidence that certainly in one of the big claims, of course, for universities is that we're all about improving people's um, critical thinking and how they analyse things. And we can also do that in a way where those skills are developed in a generalisable way uh, so that they can take it out of context and apply it in a new context. So there's a lot of being, you know, the claims around transferable skills. And so there is a reasonable uh, group of uh, critical literature of that, that position, uh, which is at least challenging that notion that we are developing students' critical thinking skills, uh, although measured in a particular way, which is about general, general test rather than context-specific. Uh, and that's also important to bear in mind. So I, 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 um, I like to have a gratuitous... I'm a sailor, so I like, I like to have a... Uh, gratuitous uh, sailing photograph in somewhere in presentation. I'm not sure if that's quite in the right place at the moment. Ooh, go back. Okay, we'll have it there anyway. Um, I think sailing is quite a good analogy because it's a technical sport, um, which means that essentially you need to know a lot in order to succeed at it. Um, but the way in which you know is very various. And so what I mean by that is that there's a lot of theoretical understanding behind sailing, in terms of knowing what to do with a sail, knowing how a sail responds, 
knowing what the waves are doing, how to respond to those as a sailor, knowing what the tides are doing, knowing what your boat will do, know where to put your body position. So in my group of sailors, it's a group of sailors in a race, someone have an awful lot of theoretical knowledge and not doing very well. Okay. And that's sort of me when I'm saying. Um, someone have an awful lot of theoretical knowledge and be applying it and doing very well in this assessment because they're applying it very well. Someone have no theoretical knowledge but being able to intuitively respond and know what to do in what situation. So to do X in this condition and we'll do it successfully. And we'll Some will be doing well because they're interpreting the environment very well. Intuitively. To in, in, interpreting the environment. And they're doing this assessment. But they've all got different forms of learning. And the winner will not be necessarily the one who has the most theoretical knowledge. Yeah, necessarily. So, so I find it quite interesting. That, that whole notion of what, 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 what that means. Uh, so, and, and I think when we think about what learning gain is, we, we, we have to sort of have to bear in mind that complexity of learning and what it really is and how it works. Uh, so as we've already said, in terms of, in terms of learning gain, there have been some big studies uh, done in the States. Uh, one which seems to be <laughs> forgotten, or not talk about, is a, is a Lumia longitudinal study. This to me is actually a very important study because one thing it seemed to establish in terms of learning gain, at least in terms of the use of standardised tests, like the CLA test that Alex referred to, and some of the tests in the States which are referred to as SAT tests, is that you didn't need to do a longitudinal study. The cross-sectional studies seemed to work and produce similar outcomes and results. So, so that's quite important, because longitudinal studies are often more costly to do and longitudinal approaches are cost more, more expensive to do and harder to execute. So, to some extent, that's an interesting study from that point of view. They also use general and specific tests. And then there's the Wabash study, which is also there. And again, there were big studies. It was very expensive to do. Yeah. They had to pay students to engage. And I think um, I was quite shocked how much they got. Actually, I thought it was a nice little business, actually, there. It was about $100 a shot, wasn't it, to join in. It was quite a lot uh, that uh, individual students got paid, but it was expensive uh, to do. So we come to the UK, and in the UK we, we don't have any standardised tests. Um, we don't have standard entry qualifications. And we have no agreement about what learning in HE is and what it's meant to do, or what it should do, necessarily. So I'm not sure we're in a, in a, in a wonderful position, uh, really, uh, to start off. Uh, that's not to say that, say, in the States they haven't either, because I think it's quite easy to uh, make assumptions. So the CLA, the College Learning Assessment Test, they, they're mostly designed around liberal arts uh, education, so they're not, it's not a generalisable test uh, across the US. Um, also, you'll see in papers that they refer to the US SAT tests, um, they're not to be confused with the UK SAT tests, which are standardised tests used in school education. Uh, they tend to be state-based or even more locally, lo local than that, when they are done or when they're not done. Uh, so they're not necessarily standardised at all. Uh, and probably the same notion about agreement about what higher education is meant to do. So our study... Um, so our study is... Uh, around this, this notion of learning 
uh, that occurs in uh, universities. Uh, these are all the uh, people who are involved. Uh, the, this first line is Open University, this person and this person is the uh, Oxford Books and the rest are sorry. <coughs> uh, so, so it's a, 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 a task of uh, castle thousands. So um, we, we've taken this model of, of learning um, which says that students at uh, university are learning in cognitive domain, they're learning behaviours, and they're learning effective self learning uh, in, in their approaches. And broadly speaking, we're taking a big data approach. So no theory, uh, necessarily, or, or, or we're taking a big data approach. Effective zone largely uh, using survey type data. So uh, we variously run different surveys at the universities, but uh, two of us are running largely engagement surveys. Uh, sorry, uh, we're largely focusing on module level surveys, but we all use module level surveys and we all use a broad institutional surveys, tools. Um, we've all got VLE data. Uh, fortunately, Oxford Books and Open University use the same, same VLE Moodle system. Uh, and uh, also, um, we've got academic performance data, which we've all got. Uh, VLE data, uh, I'm sure, sure you know that every time you click or look at something on uh, your institutional VLE, there's a record of it. And every time you go somewhere, there's a record of where you went. Uh, from within the VLE, and when you download something, there's a record of your downloads as well. Open University also have a system of for analysing uh, discussion boards as well for sentiment within discussion boards uh, within their discussion boards as well. Ah, so this is a, a sort of a big data approach. So we've been running a year uh, of the data of this project. So um, we also have a qualitative aspect to the study. So we're using the qualitative aspects of the study to try and validate some of this work. So as well as looking at the quantitative elements that we've got to, as proxies, really, for learning gain, we are also uh, doing qualitative work with students, longitudinal studies with students, to try and confirm these data. So really what we're trying to, to work out is whether or not these data that universities are mostly collecting anyway can be used as proxies for learning gain. So without having to employ any standardised tests where we can use them as proxies. So we've got this qualitative side alongside our uh, quantitative work. Uh, what have we done so far? So we started doing a systematic review. And you'll see that we intend to put in a meta-analytic review in June 2016, which is this month. You still have uh, two days. We'll be there. 
Short months. So, so it's, it's almost finished. Oops. Don't want that one. Sorry. Okay. Okay, so. So yeah, so the, so, the, so the basics of this is that we are rejecting, we're rejecting the notion of a single test retest model, uh, which is that notion of standardised test. Um, large because of the problems we don't think it's possible. We don't think it's applicable um, in the notion of trying to establish, because that's not, this idea I think of um, us all trying to um, develop our students along particular axes of critical thinking and that we've got a common understanding of what that means across all our disciplines is probably erroneous. And so uh, this is one reason why we want to to some extent reject that model and we want to see if we can uh, use these properties derived from data that the university already collects. Yeah, no, uh, so uh, some issues we've, uh, we've, we've encountered already, uh, we're at that stage of putting all the data sets together from different universities. Uh, we do have different types of data at the university, different, different data, so particularly in terms of our module evaluation systems. They're collecting, they ask different questions, and they're different, so we've got different proxies. Uh, so we're, we're, we're working on pulling those and pulling the definitions. Uh, data retrieval and definitions and amalgamation is, is quite problematic. We're sort of getting there, but even that notion of when you take your data out of the system, what does it look like? What are the fields? And defining the fields and making sure we've got common understandings of those fields is actually quite problematic. But we're getting there. Data sharing, as you can imagine, the data sets are very large. And so it's not a case of you can just simply send them by email because uh, it don't work uh, that way because they're too big. Uh, so data sharing is, is slightly problematic. Um, we have issues with the Data Protection Act um, because most of us, um, our students, will give some consent to our data, data being used, and that's largely the data which is associated with HESA returns. It's not the data which is collected via the VLE, uh, for example. The Data Protection Act does allow you to use your data for institutional improvement, uh, it doesn't necessarily allow you to share it with another institution either. Uh, so, so that's slightly problematic. I mean, the data is, anon is, uh, is anonymised um, to some extent, so Data Protection Act isn't um, quite such a concern uh, once that happened to the data. Um, but we have to be very, very careful with how we handle it and how we pass it around. Um, Research ethics is a bit, bit more of a problem, and again it's to do with consent, and it's this notion that um, students don't necessarily consent when they, um, when they register with a university, when they enrol with a university, for those data to be used in research. Uh, so that whole uh, notion around research ethics is slightly problematic. And part of the project involves modelling on historic data, and certainly one question that my research ethics committee asked me was, how are you going to get consent? from the university alumni. And I said, I'm not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's the only answer I could give. You, you know, it wasn't, I mean, the idea is we're actually going to try and publish the fact that the, the study's occurring, um, and then give people the opportunity to withdraw 
which isn't the ideal way of doing it, but once you start working with this sort of historic data, it, it becomes probably the only way to do it. Okay, so, so how far have we got? So the systematic review, which we probably will get into uh, submit, submit by the end of this month, if not the first week in July. Um, so a lot of the studies we looked at were based on self-reporting by students, uh, particularly of the effective and behavioural areas of work. And, and where there was reporting of A, Bs and Cs, um, the gains in relation to the A's and B's seem to exceed those gains in the area of the cognitive area. Okay. Uh, now, it's very difficult to, to sort of jump to those conclusions because well, the scales are different in the, you know, in the, in the, that, that is used. But in, certainly in the percentage differences that people are reporting, the changes, as far as you can see from the data, it looks like students are reporting much stronger changes in their affected zones and, and behavioural zones in terms of their attitude and approach, their learning approach to the university. Uh, We've done quite an intensive examination of OU uh, modules, that's within modules work. Um, and again, I think almost in relation to what Alex's work, what we found is that students with higher starting points tend to show less gain in those modules. But there's a lot of variation within modules. So the extent of learning gain varies quite considerably within modules. Um, so it's quite specific. And that's a potential alert for TEF when you start, to, if you start to try and leap things up to institutional level or even department level. Uh, that module is very important. This paper, I think, has been submitted to the SRHE uh, conference. <laughs> uh, and just some work from Brooks. Sorry, this, this hasn't come over at all well, actually, in terms of how it's coming out in your projector. So something's got a bit strange. So I, I, I'll explain what this curve is. What we did was we looked at the, uh, the difference in students' uh, mean scores on modules in the last four modules they did in their final year as opposed to their first year modules. So we looked at the mean in the first year modules against the last four modules they did in the final year. So this is, a, this is student frequency, student up, sorry, this is frequency up here. So, each, so it's based on individual students. And these are the percentage differences so you can see that for the bulk, and it's quite odd that it almost comes out as a normal distribution, we're sort of quite surprised about that really, that the bulk of students here actually show relatively little change in their percentage marks from the first year to their final year. So most students don't change in terms of those grades. There are some students up here, these are the students who change, so these change positively. So the, in terms of their grades across first year to final year, these students go down. Yeah. So that is actually group of students who go. No, so these students go down. So, but by and large, students don't change. So what it sort of means is, if you come into university in the first year as a C grade student, you go out as a C grade student. 
And when I first showed this to academics, they were like, oh, no, that's not the case. That's not true. It must be what. So it's perfectly true. I think we tend to notice as academics these students. We notice the students who move up the grades, but in fact, the whole of the students remain here. Yeah. These could be A students, remember. These could be A grade students. They could come in with an A and go with an A, and they, they're here. Yeah, so these, these students. Okay. And it doesn't mean they're not learning gain isn't happening, because, of course, they're moving levels. But we have to remember this when we come also and think about our surveys that are asking students about how they're changing. Because sometimes students will perceive that they haven't progressed. Because we're telling them that they got a C in the first year and they got a C in the second year. Well, actually, there's a difference. But they might not perceive there's a difference. They might think, oh, I'm a C student. Yeah? So, so I think this is, this is quite important. Over to Mary. <laughs> 